Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, an oral history podcast about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 loiners over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. My mission here is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, did during humanity's biggest emergency. On working hours, we hear how loiners have, are, and will be coping with our multiple and expanding crises during their day-to-day working hours. Can we turn things around? We'll find out. To tell this story, I need loiners. Loiners like you, dear listener. I need people in Leeds or people from Leeds to come on this podcast and just tell me what they do all day and let me record how this affects us. Thank you for listening. What did you want to be when you grew up? My straight answer would be a vet. I always, I've sort of grown up around animals. I grew up in like rural Lincolnshire, so we grew up with dogs and pigs and guinea pigs and hamsters and just anything you can imagine. And my mum, she was also... We were always raised very conscious of animals and ethics and things like that. She was vegetarian for years, so we always just grew up around animals, just loved them, and just thought it would be amazing to work with them. And that was sort of like always my childhood childhood dream was to be a vet. But as five years at uni, very expensive, stuff like that. And I think as I grew older, I think I wouldn't be able to do all the parts of being a vet, sort of having dogs and stuff like that. It can be quite traumatic at times, and I wouldn't be able to do like surgery and stuff like that. So once I kind of researched it a bit more, I, other opportunities came along and sort of broadened my horizons a bit. But yeah, if you ask me a view of that. And then, yeah, I think probably growing up, I became more aware of sort of like sustainability issues and kind of that wider climate change kind of animal ethics kind of area and wanted to sort of apply that to a bigger context of society and it sort of got bigger and bigger, really, bringing more like the social issues, environmental issues, um, ethical issues, stuff like that. So that's why I went and studied. I did environment and business at uni. Yeah, it's quite sort of down the same path. It's kind of just evolved, sort of snowballed into something else, I suppose. So I have the hobbies and stuff like that to do with animals. And I'm still young, I suppose, if I wanted to retrain and become a vet, I probably could. It's not completely off the cards at this point. So, yeah, that's where I am at the moment with what I wanted to be as a kid <laughs> I mean I like I remember at a point I wanted to be a surgeon um mm. and then like because I think you I think a lot of kids are just sort of less squeamish because they don't think about it and then as you get older yeah. you're kind of like yeah. Ugh, that's a bit mm. <laughs> I feel like as I've got older I've got like worse with that kind of stuff yeah. <laughs> like as a kid you're kind of not phased by it, like yeah I can do that and then as you get older you sort of get a bit like more sensitive and stuff and like I start crying at more stuff and I'm like oh I could not be a vet cry like the Lloyd's TSB advert like could not be a vet at all. You're listening to series four episode 13 and to my guest Amy Bennett. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 7th of February 2023. Eat cookies and save the planet now that's a utopia. Chunk is an independent business at the heart of the student community in Leeds. Putting her environment and business degree into practice, Amy Bennett started Chunk Cookies during lockdown. Chunk is 100% vegan and uses recycled packaging or fair trade ingredients wherever possible. 
It's a progressive startup with a social mission. They are looking into organising promotional events to fundraise for mental health charities and are also investigating ways to offset their carbon emissions. Right, let's do this. Episode 93 of Working Hours with Amy Bennett. Okay, so what is it that you are doing now then? So I just finished uni last June um, and I did environment and business at, at Leeds and set up a cookie business during the first lockdown. So this was probably April of the first lockdown. I mean, I was stuck at my mum's in rural Lincolnshire for about four months. My partner, Diego, he's from Chile. We met in Australia. It's kind of like a roundabout, roundabout trip, but we came together. Um, and he was in Australia at the time still. COVID hit and we were, what are we going to do? We don't know what's, obviously in hindsight, we sort of, you know, how long it lasted and everything, but mm. we don't know what it was. So I remember he literally got the last flight over from Australia to the UK, didn't really speak English, had never been to Europe, never mm. met my family or anything. And he literally got stuck with me and my mum for four months. So we were just kind of doing what you do in lockdown. We were baking and I sort of was in second year of uni and I you got get hit with like a lower lo- lower loan in second year. And I'd applied to a load of jobs and stuff like that, but they literally, all my interviews got cancelled in one week. And mm. I was like, what am I going to do? Like I need to fund my studies. It was kind of a situation of either get a job or I can't carry on. Like I wouldn't know how to sort of fund it. So I put two and two together and we were baking vegan cookies because my mum was vegan and just kind of thought like this would probably really work well in Leeds because it's a lot in Lincolnshire. There's not a huge sort of vegan community. It's very mm. farmer based and that kind of thing. Whereas Leeds it was full of students and a lot more the bigger like vegan society in Leeds. So we yeah, we just thought like, this would great, great. So we moved back up, bought it back up with us, and we were literally just baking from my shared house in Leeds as a student. I was sending out Diego on his bicycle to go and deliver cookies to students that were stuck in lockdown. And it was never sort of meant to last this long. I mean that was mm. two years ago now. I never saw it as a long-term plan. I never had a business plan or anything like that. It was just like, oh, if I can make like an extra 50 quid on the weekends to help with the food bill, like that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, here I am still doing it like a year after graduating and doing it full-time now. Sort of, I said that I'd finish uni and do it probably full-time for a year and see like if I could turn it into like a profitable, like full-time job. So probably until, I mean, what are we now? what month is it February probably until summer end of summer and see do it full time and kind of reassess so yeah that's where I am at the moment baking and selling cookies (laughs) which is something I never thought I would do ever (laughs) so did you like when did you kind of register as a company did you start as like just oh we'll sell a few or did you go straight to like right we'll do it as a company set it up get the pay coming in that way like how did you go about it I mean I sort of I registered and everything because I mean, I'm very like stick by the rules and stuff mm. like that. I'm not very rebellious. <laughs> so I did everything by the book and registered and with the local authorities and everything, just because I thought if it does happen, I kind of went into it without thinking about the future at all. So I just did mm. what I had to at the time and just thought if it does go on for one year, five years, whatever, like mm. set it up, like I've got it. So yeah, I got a website and everything like that. And we were just taking orders got like a website provider and just was taking orders through that and yeah that was how it started it's good that I did do that because now sort of the foundations were there for it to be a proper business I mean Mm -hmm. I wasn't strict 
it was sort of more a hobby at that point I wasn't on top of kind of like the accounts and stuff like that as I should have been so that was a long period that was a long process after finishing uni of actually like okay now this is actually a full-time business I need to like sort out accounting and learn how to do that and all Mm. of that kind of stuff so that was a big change from it being more of a hobby to actually like a serious full-time employment but that took months to try and get on top of that literally probably four months to try and just get on top of paperwork and all of that kind of stuff Mm. um yeah 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 well I mean it's always going to be a steep learning curve because if you've not done it for yourself before (laughs) Mm. like I'm still you know still learning all of that (laughs) so um, yeah and no one in my family like uh, my mom had a business when she was younger she owned a it was a beauty salon like in our local town but we never really she never really spoke to us until about it until I sort of set up my own business so I never was sort of brought up around that entrepreneurial type how to set up business no one in my family had mm. apart from my mom and I didn't really know about that so there was no guidance at all it was literally like child trying to walk I was just trying to like find out what to do and trial and error and that kind of stuff so yeah like you say I'm learning stuff every day still well I mean and it you know in terms of your study as well I mean you study in business so I mean that must have have helped yeah I mean it did um probably running the business helped you more with your degree than your degree helped you with (laughs) yeah that's a good way to put it that's probably how I would have phrased it myself it was it was kind of an eye-opener to actually how much I wasn't being taught if that makes sense yeah Um, because I was like I'm literally doing a degree in business and I have no idea what the first thing is about setting up a business where Mm. to get help from where Mm. like funding that kind of stuff Mm. all of that I had to research myself and it was taught sort of international business and management and that kind of stuff but actually the yeah. running of the day-to-day business I was like clueless I yeah. literally applied so much of my own business to my learning instead of the other way around so mm. yeah, that was really interesting mm. yeah I, I mean it's probably a good way of doing it as well um, yeah yeah so let's talk product for a bit so did you start like how many product lines did you start with did you trial anything were you sort of starting with people or did you just go right I'm making cookies these are cookies they're for sale (laughs) buy my cookies and that was it I mean probably the last is more accurate to be honest um (laughs) we just started off with sort of it was a couple of flavors that we'd developed and just started off selling them to sort of friends in the local area they could like collect from my house and stuff and I remember the first day I think two of I think it was two of my friends bought cookies and it was made probably about 16 pounds and I was just like could not believe it I was like I've literally made money of selling my cookies like this is amazing like I've nearly made 20 pounds like what the hell so we stayed doing just sort of cookies same flavors for quite a while we were so busy at the beginning and in Leeds with Hyde Park and everything delivering around there Mm. like I sort of didn't really like I said I didn't really have a plan I didn't really know about sort of products and offers and that kind of thing I just Mm. what I was doing was working so we just stayed doing that for a long time Mm -hmm. and when COVID finished that was the hardest time for the business because people were going back sort of normal life they weren't spending money on cookies they weren't sat at home every night so that was like a real kick that we had to actually diversify our products so we started doing a lot more flavors especially when I finished uni as well because that's sort of the only time I've really had the time to actually grow the business and not just sort of maintain it yeah so since last year we've done sort of 
different flavors every month. We do like customized, they're called like Chunk XL, which are like massive one and a half kilogram cookies that people wow. can get essays if they want to <laughs> like something a bit of a cheaper option, something yeah. a bit different. We do lots of different things for markets. So we've got different products at those all the time. Always coming up with new stuff. We've got like a new puppy chunk line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just actually doing better than our human cookies. We do like a little selection <laughs> of dog cookies, which when I lose such a face palm moment because I release these dog cookies and people were going mental for them. And I was like, two years I've spent making human cookies and all you wanted was cookies for your dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're doing that at the moment. So we're probably going to look at expanding into that a bit more. But yeah, it's quite exciting. Everything's sort of based around cookies. Well, I think we'll always stick to that kind of stuff. But yeah, cookies is is the way forward. It's what we do. I feel like it's good to stick to to what mm. we know and what we do best and sort of leave the other stuff to other people. <laughs> I would like to get into um, pastries one day. I mean, the goal is to have kind of like a, a plant-based bakery, um, mm-hmm. hopefully in Leeds one day. So that's the next... The next task is to try and master plant-based croissants, which is going to be quite a challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's where we want to be headed next. Yeah, that sounds cool. So we've kind of done the the sort of how did you get into it? Are you a, are you vegan yourself? Yeah, I'm kind yeah. of like I am, Most, but mostly like, vegan. Yeah, yeah. I let it slip for your time, which I shouldn't. But I've been vegetarian probably for five years, and that kind of naturally just. Mm. went to veganism and like I said my mum she was vegetarian for years before she had me and my brother and we had she made us get pigs when we were kids um which probably had a big influence because then after going through that process and Mm. sort of seeing actually what happens at the age of I don't know probably 13 it was that kind of probably Mm. set me on the path for vegetarianism Mm. and veganism and she's like an amazing cook as well so it showed me that vegan options and vegetarian options don't have to be any different to like conventional meat options which is probably Mm. a big influence in the businesses that I want to show like I never advertise that our products are vegan anymore because we Mm -hmm. used to get such sort of like stereotype at markets and stuff people would walk past and be like oh my god these cookies look amazing and then they'd Mm. read that they were vegan they'd go off and sort of walk off and Mm. um so now we don't advertise it because I want people to eat the cookies and then be like oh they they were vegan because yeah they're great yeah (laughs) yeah exactly because there's not that much different about our cookies compared to like normal cookies if you want to call them that well Um, you're just taking out eggs and milk and butter yeah Mm. and we use like um dark chocolate which doesn't have milk in anyway so Mm. the only thing we replace is the eggs with flaxseed and that's literally it so Mm. so yeah I think that was a big a big sort of influence in my own sort of like vegetarianism veganism and Mm. making the products vegan as well Mm. yeah and then you know you've I mean because obviously the other part it's a business degree but the other part of it is the environmental side Mm. so you know you want to be kind of low impact you know you don't want to be making vegan cookies and then flying (laughs) them jetting them to New York (laughs) kind of (laughs) the object Um, exactly so you had that, you know, like bicycle delivery and stuff is low impact. It's local, local area and stuff. So, I mean, it must feel nice. I, I must have felt nice and continue to feel nice to sort of have a business that is low impact. It's in the area. I, I mean, it's hmm. like, how, how have you, 
you've obviously gone past breaking even and you obviously broke even sort of fairly quickly, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's kind of, like I say, sort of split into two. The first bit with COVID was great. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. And then after that, it's kind of been starting from square one again. Mm-hmm. So kind of the past year has been breaking even, to be honest, with the cost mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully if things do start to get better, that will be kind of our growth journey, second growth journey sort of. COVID was very separate. It was exceptional mm. circumstances. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like you, it's literally coming out of the frying pan into the fire sort of thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, that was a horrible situation. Oh, but now everything's <laughs> open and it will all get back. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was the same for most businesses. You had this idea that COVID would stop and markets would be back on and mm. all of that kind of stuff. And people would be going back to work and everything would be great. And then mm. actually, very quickly dawned on us that our entire business structure was just not viable anymore. People Mm. weren't at home. People didn't have the spare money to buy cookies because they were out and doing things again. And looking back, it was like, God, how didn't we see that coming? But you just, you didn't like, you just thought that the end of COVID, everything would be amazing. And so, yeah, it was back to square one and like, okay, so how are we actually we never did wholesale before COVID mm. and now the majority of our business is wholesale. Mm. So it was a huge sort of turnaround and quite quickly as well. Like if I wanted to keep the business open, you have to adapt to like literally within mm. a couple of months, otherwise you're out. It's all good experience though. I mean, like where I was going initially with that was just sort of like, have you, I was going to say, have you had a moment to kind of go, Oh, that's, that's worked. And, you know, like to, to enjoy it and to kind of be impressed by it or, or did it just turn from like, Oh, that's quite surprising. And it's doing okay. into like, you know, you just more stress and more thinking and more planning <laughs> rather than kind of, Oh yes, it's, it's going quite well. Like, have you got to enjoy it much? Um, I feel like it depends on the day. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> yeah. you get days when you'll get a bit of good news and you'll be like actually yeah like I've achieved a lot it's going great like it's got a lot of potential everybody's like I get such good feedback and all of that and the fact that we are actually still open at the moment is a blessing because so many businesses have unfortunately closed up until this point so you can have a day when you you do think yeah actually I'm quite proud like I've I've done quite a lot and then literally the the next day you'll get three bits of bad news and you'll be like, why am I doing this? What's the point? Why do I keep going? <laughs> like, I think it, we're not sort of, we're not out of the woods just yet. I think with the, the cost of everything at the moment, it's still going up. Like our ingredients are going up every single week. We're now having supply issues. So we can't get any chocolate chips. We can't get any Nutella. Now we can't get any butter because of oils and things. But any ingredients we can get are twice the price which being using vegan ingredients you kind of have a premium on them anyway mm. uh, and we always try to stay affordable so you're constantly sort of being attacked from all angles of trying to source ingredients and then the the cost effective ones you find sort of disappear one day and they mm. don't come back to stock so you have to try and find new ones but then they're too expensive and you won't make a profit so it's I think at the moment it's a particularly challenging time for a lot of businesses because you are just there's so many different forces at play Mm. Uh, every day it's like oh god like what what am I gonna what email am I gonna have today like Mm. (laughs) so I think at the moment probably not out of the woods just yet but Mm. hopefully I'd say hopefully within six months I might be in a better position and if you asked me the same question I'd probably be able to say it's a bit smoother and I'm kind of can 
sit back and enjoy it a little bit more but at the moment definitely not <laughs> well fingers crossed for you anyway hope, hopefully yeah, that's the case so I'll go into the other questions we kind of touched on COVID a little bit and sort of your lockdown journey I mean uh were you still in Oz when we were locking down or you'd already come back I'd already come back I'd literally got back in the August and mm. I think everything sort of kicked off that Christmas mm. so I was literally first year of university but Diego my partner he was still in Australia living the life thought he had like a good year left on his visa got a job and everything and then it was like got catapulted to England so <laughs> yeah I just I just started uni I literally was probably four or five months in before it all picked off <laughs> so yeah were, were you working as well then at the time to sort of pay for your studies I wasn't at that point I think first year of uni you usually get a pretty good yeah so that's your highest loan year and then second year that was when I kind of saw what I was going to get I was like okay I need to <laughs> need to get a job so that was yeah I think that was the April is when you find out for the next year so that was when I was applying for jobs and things like that and over summer as well just to didn't really have any plans I don't think so yeah I was just applying for jobs to make a bit of money over summer so that that would set me up for the next year mm -hmm. hopefully help me get through the rest of uni mm -hmm. I mean the questions generally sort of it, it's really about but I like to look at the lockdown journey and sort of see yeah. how things change for people and see if they and you know because it seems to be either you ended up doing no work or all the yeah. work all yeah. the time and so and then the other thing I want to look at is sort of how that how the the lockdown and the COVID experience kind of changed work did it sort of change anything long term but I suppose for you I mean it did because it created a business yeah. that wasn't going to be there that you'd never kind of planned on um, yeah I suppose if COVID never happened I wouldn't have really probably wouldn't have been in a situation where I'd have to kind of use my initiative and think okay like how can I make money in this situation and that mm. was working for myself because I couldn't get a job anywhere else mm. so it kind of just I always say that the business didn't come out of a passion project or anything it just came out of necessity like mm. I needed to make money and that's what the opportunity that I saw mm. um, and I suppose we are like a a bit of an anomaly because COVID generally made work a lot worse for people mm. um, and I think quite a few businesses that set up around the same time as us, we just were quite lucky with the situation that people were at home and had the extra money and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I suppose it's a bit of an um, unusual opinion to hear about that time, that it was actually better for business. It's not that unusual. <laughs> really? <laughs> loads, loads of people had a really good lockdown, but I think... You I know, just feel you, awful saying it. Like I, I know, <laughs> but it, 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 like for a lot of people, it was really good. But then at the same time, it did have all of that, you know, horror and fear and confusion. Yeah. And, you know, but you also had a lot of hours in the day. So <laughs> Yeah, and I think it was a blessing because it kept, kept us both busy. I think if we were, it kept us kind of normality for us because we were still working, luckily. Yeah. Um, we still had sort of the routine. We still had it definitely preoccupied us trying to grow a business during that time yeah I think we would have found it really difficult otherwise to not you would have been going crazy yeah, yeah. like if you had nothing and it was just your course and you you would have yeah. had so much time I mean I suppose it like I, I mean it changed your well it changed your life really because yeah. you know this is a business that you 
didn't plan on, didn't intend to start. Um, were you always going to go, did you want to be entrepreneurial or was it a case of do the course, get a good job and move up in a company, yeah. have that security? So you were looking more at employment yeah. rather than... 100%. It never even crossed my mindset, my own business before mm-hmm. before lockdown. It just, I feel like it just wasn't kind of on my radar from mm-hmm. parents or school or like at school, I was never even taught about sort of set up business or anything like that or being self-employed it was mm. you're going to apply to uni you're going to finish and get a postgrad job and you're going to start working up the ladder and have your career and that's going to be it for the next mm. 50 years like mm. that was it and I mean I've always I've kind of always done things differently like I had two years out before uni I lived in Australia worked there mm. traveled um for four or five months came back and then did uni so I've kind of I've always kind of seen of making the best out of a situation so it hasn't always been kind of like straight school uni job I know that I've always wanted to travel and do other things Mm. but that was sort of always where I thought I would end up I wanted to do other things and like I say travel and but setting up a business was never never on that radar at all Mm. (laughs) so yeah it kind of and I don't know if I ever would have probably later on in life it would have come about yeah been quite happy to just get like a sustainability job and Mm. because I've always been like very academic like really always kind of done well in school and done well at uni and I always thought that that's what I would do to kind of utilize that and that's what I enjoy doing I'd like Mm. love doing working and sort of like doing academic work so yeah I always thought that's what I would be happy doing and I thought I'd be happy baking cookies for 13 hours a day <laughs> we could always cut this bit out if we need to but I, I want to ask the question so like thinking of myself at your sort of age I wasn't doing anything as exciting as as this um, <laughs> but that sort of sense you know when you're in your early 20s and you're kind of like it's that sort of well I'm an adult legally now but you know you don't always quite feel like an adult has it made yeah. like do you feel like you've really grown up being you know like you're a successful businesswoman does that feel weird for someone to say does and does yeah. that make you feel grown up I feel like uh, yeah I probably I'm living in denial like I wouldn't call myself a successful businesswoman. Uh, yeah so I suspected I'd, as much <laughs> I just say that I bake cookies for a living it's <laughs> like that's I don't see it probably how other people see it I think probably anything that the thing that did make me mature and sort of grow up the most and what I'm most proud of is living in a different country and traveling at like the age mm. of 18 and that kind of stuff um I think it's going to take a long time for it to sink in for me to actually view the business as a business and that I am the owner of it and view it how other people view it because like my friends and family they say like god it's amazing like we're so proud of you and I'm such like a perfectionist and I'm so self-critical that I'm like well it needs to be bigger like I need to be doing more like I need to be doing this so I think of yeah I'm probably never going to be that kind of person that that views it as like I'm grown up like <laughs> in my head I just see that I'm I'm baking cookies and that I should be <laughs> sort of having a proper career like that kind of <laughs> I should knock off this nonsense and go get a real job yeah <laughs> no no don't you know like ride it ride the wave as long as you can I say um, yeah you never know what it'll lead to and plus you've got that experience now like you've had a business 
you know, and most businesses fail within the first, you know, what is it? Is it like 50% in the first year and then another however many percent in the first three? Yeah, most businesses fail in the first year. And if you get through those first three years, like you're in an elite group of like, so you keep it going for at least three years, get three or four years under your belt. And you're like, yeah, I've, I I did that. I nailed that. I think since like doing it full time is... Mm. I think that's kind of like I say a separate journey from when I was doing it part-time at uni I think so for me like proper business only started sort of last June Mm -hmm. Um, and I think as well because a lot of people that do run businesses are a lot older than me and they have a lot more experience Mm -hmm. I mean I'm a 23 year old girl that's straight out of uni running a business and I'm dealing with people that have brick and mortar businesses for like 20 years Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think as well like you said if I view myself as sort of a a proper businesswoman I feel like that's always going to impact it because of the sort of the market that I'm in mm-hmm. I sort of probably take myself less seriously because I feel like oh I'm dealing with I don't have like a proper shop I don't have like 20 employees I'm not mm. I haven't got 20 years experience like I'm 23 and I'm baking cookies so mm. I think that's a big thing as well it's quite difficult being so young in this kind of market I don't know a lot mm. of the people that kind of doing the same thing as me I'm quite <laughs> but it's a it's a strength as well because you know it like 20 years from now you'll look back at this business and you'll be like god I'd never have done that I, I wouldn't do that now but and some of it will be knowledge and experience but some of it will just be fear it'd be like I would not have I, I wouldn't be that confident or that like you know yeah. I'd be too scared to do it basically because you you do you get more fearful as you get older of things of just like <laughs> I'm not going to try that and I won't try this and so yeah, I think it's it's a really yeah it's a, it's a great thing and I yeah con- congratulations to you on, on getting this far with it. <laughs> I mean the, the other part of the the COVID thing is, you know, you mentioned bricks and mortar businesses and so on. I mean, it must have been a massive help to not have to have overheads like that of getting a shop, sourcing a shop. I mean, yeah. if you had have have you now got a a a physical shop or a space or is it all sort of virtual still we don't we I'm kind of biding my time I'm just sort of seeing what happens with that yeah. side of things at the moment because I know that businesses aren't in the clear yet and it's a huge like you say it's huge huge overheads to take on um, yeah. and I'm just I want to make sure that I'm in a proper position to do that before I do and I can do it properly mm. so the sort of a, we, a middle step was <laughs> So we've set up the business in a shared house. We were literally, I was in the basement bedroom baking in a shared kitchen and it just very quickly overran within a couple of weeks. Mm. So Diego and I moved into our own one bedroom house. We were baking there and that very quickly got too small as well. So our landlord, he said, I've got this house with a, there's nothing in the basement. Mm. What if we could put a bakery in there? So we were like, that's, such a good idea at the moment because it means we can have sort of like a commercial type space for Mm -hmm. the price Mm -hmm. we moved here last July and since then we've been doing up the basement to turn it into sort of like a full-on bakery so there's like a little door in my kitchen and you go downstairs and there's literally like commercial ovens like all of this Mm. packaging everything and that was a really good decision because like I say for sort of a fraction of the cost Mm. we are having a big space that we can use to bake um I can have employees I've got like people working for me now that come and bake in the basement <laughs> sounds bizarre um 
but that was sort of like a good a good middle ground um until we can kind of work out what's what's happening with sort of commercial properties whether we can afford rent and that kind of stuff whether we wait whether we do it now mm. so we're kind of like on on the on the edge we're kind yeah, of yeah you're, you're looking deciding. at it mm. yeah sort of just probably the past month we've actually been looking at it seriously and thinking like okay is this something that we would be able to do this year and I think now stuff is completely kind of back to normal mm. after COVID I feel like that's the way that we're going to have to go very soon because online orders aren't I feel like there's sort of a limit to them there's only sort of people buy birthday presents and buy them for themselves and stuff but people mm. want that experience of going into a shop and being able to have a coffee and sit with their friends and have a cookie and that kind of stuff so I think that's definitely where we're going to have to go quite soon which is quite scary <laughs> I, I suppose the other option is a factory which because I mean, like now it's a huge risk because obviously you'd be paying commercial rents. You've got to pay like all your utility yeah. bills. Then you've got to pay for like fitting the the space. Yeah. You know, it would massively expand your overheads. And you've got to look there at kind of like the cost benefit of like, how much are we going to make off this? Like, could this even cover that expenditure? Yeah. Or will this be something that potentially risks the business? yeah exactly because to take on you are taking on more overheads but obviously then hopefully your your sales will fall mm. because you've got a physical spot where people can come mm. but then that will probably completely get rid of the wholesale side because a lot of the cafes that we stop are in Leeds mm. so that would be a huge again it would completely have to flip the business model and we would be changing 100% to more direct sales to us and probably mm reduce the wholesale side so it's something that I definitely need to sit down and have a look at and work out but if that's sort of the only way that we're drastically going to increase our sales is by having a direct shop and selling coffee and that kind of stuff then Mm. that's probably what we're going to have to do I don't know how how far we can go with kind of just website sales at the moment people seem to want a physical shop that they can go to so Mm. I don't even know where to start working out that kind of stuff I need to do my research Mm. I mean well yeah yeah Um, and it's just bills and stuff are so expensive at the moment exactly looking at commercial rent in Leeds and it's just insane and I know that if I want if I did it I'd want to do it properly like I'd want it I'd be very specific and about exactly what I want so I'd want the right space I've got all of sort of the criteria that I want it to have so I'm quite happy also to bide my time and then do it right when the opportunity comes up like I'm not mm. kind of not in any rush to do it at this age I also don't want to be a boss at 23 and like I'm just too scared to have employees and everything <laughs> so yeah well yeah I mean I was going to ask with the with the sort of physical shop is that something that you kind of want because it would feel like it was more like a proper business? Is that something that yeah, rather than so. it, it's necessary for us? Yeah, I think probably 50-50. It would, I suppose it would feel like it was a proper business and it was my proper yeah. employment. But then also it's quite scary because that means 100% committed to it for, mm. I mean, most rent leases are like five years. So that means 
I've got to do this for the next five years and what mm. if the moment at least I have sort of the flexibility that if I do want to I don't know go into sustainability or something like that mm. then I could I'm kind of not too locked in I could mm. close a business if I wanted to mm. uh, but yeah getting like a physical shop I suppose that makes it very real mm. and it takes on huge amounts of responsibility but then also you probably get more reward from it so it's sort of it's a risk isn't it but it might pay off <laughs> yeah and you and you can't you know you can't guess or predict either way it's it's sort of you know no. this could happen this could happen this could happen but you don't know until you do it really yeah it's... and I'm not like I do take risks but I'm very like calculated I like to have like a plan a b c d <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. so I, I'll probably only do it when I have like a backup and I know mm. that it's not going to close and everything's going to go wrong so mm. yeah it's probably going to be a while but hopefully one day <laughs> okay let's uh well I mean I suppose the other thing as well is if we do I mean it's unlikely to go to lockdowns again but you know like if we get yeah. another, another pandemic which is possible with you know like what's happening climate change wise like the, yeah. there's the chance for bird flu to leap across as well and that's kind of devastating loads of things at the moment yeah so, in some ways it's kind of not having a physical space could continue to be a strength yeah no I think about like mm. like I think having the bakery is a good middle ground because it's not too much of a commitment that if anything did go wrong like a mm. pandemic again it, it is at home and you know we could kind of like absorb the cost ourselves yeah um, and you can mask up and be fairly safe within yeah. you know like still work yeah I do think about it a lot if anything like that did happen again what what would I do I wouldn't want to be in the position that I've seen a lot of people unfortunately had to close and they just Mm. couldn't stay open because they relied 100% on sort of like footfall and Mm. a physical shop and so Mm. I'd want to make sure that I've got lots of different streams of kind of Mm. online sales wholesale my own direct sales this kind of stuff so I think it's kind of COVID taught me a lot Mm. there's a lot to learn from it as a business Mm. you do kind of have to have assurances and plan b's and probably made me a lot more cautious about running a business (laughs) Mm. that's interesting because I like I was thinking as well you know as as this was kind of an unplanned business I mean who knows you know you might be doing this forever you could get bigger and bigger you might like anything could happen with it but like, have you thought of getting it to say a certain size or maybe, I mean, you can't predict the future either, but like, you know, you could potentially do a few years and then be like, right, I've, I've got what I want from this. I now know what I want to do next. So at that yeah. point, is it a um, uh, sell it or, I mean, would you, would you like to build it up to a size, sell it on to someone else? Or would you like to sort of use it as an experiment of like, well does this break it does this break it do you know what I mean of like try things and make mistakes and then see and learn that way yeah I think I don't think I'd ever want to sell it I think because it's I mean without the business I don't know where Diego and I would be it's kind of like our baby like I don't know where we would be without it so I don't think I could ever sell it on I think I'm too emotionally invested it would be nice to grow it to the size where it could kind of run itself and I could have more of a 
sort of out of the business position and not be baking everything and probably have a couple of bakeries, whatever, that would be nice. And I could sort of run it. Like, I mean, I'd love to go back to Australia sort of within the next couple of years and and live there. So I don't know, maybe take it over there. Who knows? Like, you just have no idea. It's the English I, dream, isn't it? The the sort of rental extraction of like, oh, I'll get to a point where I don't have to do anything <laughs> and I just get a passive income coming in. It's like, that's what we all want. Yeah. I mean, I'm the type of person though that literally has to have like five plans. So I think I would get it to a point and so that I could work in sustainability and like mm. also have a career. Mm. So sort of the business would run itself and then I could start working on sustainability and doing that kind of stuff or set up my own kind of like sustainability consulting type company so yeah I'd like to get it to a point where it can kind of run in the background and then maybe go on to something else Mm. Uh, which seems a bit of a weird way to do it sort of set up a business and then go into a career like usually people do it the other way around I suppose well, you know what plans and reality are like, so. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I'm saying all of this, but who knows, like, where yeah. I'll probably be setting up another business or doing something. I'll probably be a vet in five years' time. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Who sells health, you know, very healthy dog biscuits. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it just turns into a full-on dog bakery and it probably does really well. <laughs> and then two years of human cookies was, like, for nothing. <laughs> well yeah it's all experience so let's do social media so the amount of time that you have to put into social media like does that for you give a a a tangible return on investment is it like I know I I do this and then that has the effect of I sell cookies I mean I would assume the answer is yes on this for you because your business wouldn't have been able to exist without social media I'm guessing no I mean you kind of it's a good time to ask that question really because I've only started really putting effort into the social media probably this year so you're looking at six weeks and since then I've seen our engagement our reach our sales increase Mm -hmm. not drastically but they've like more than doubled they're growing yeah which is quite interesting because before I, I would post and I would post photos and post my stories and do that kind of thing but it was never I never kind of took it as a serious part of the business that you have to actually research and learn about and there's a whole art to it and so much that you have to know which I'm quite surprised about because I've been doing the business for two years and we had sort of like a couple of thousand followers and we were doing okay and then that was just one of the things for this year. I said, right, I'm like this year, now I'm on top of everything. I'm going to grow the business. And that the first thing to look at was social media. Mm. So, I mean, I'm six weeks in and so everything has increased. <laughs> like we've got hundreds more followers. Like I say, it's directly, the only thing I've done differently this year from last year is the social media. And we've gone from a couple of orders a week to like 20 round leads. So, so that's the only way that I can explain it is mm down to the social media just because you're that's how you get in front of people and how you sort of get yourselves in their minds so that they think Mm. oh I need to order like that's I think it's such a huge tool that I probably didn't appreciate before the one thing that does help is Instagram and followers and stuff like that so yeah in in my business anyway social media has had a massive influence on on sales <laughs> and how much money we make is directly related to how much I post <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is crazy <laughs> how's your food photography now then 
it's, I need to put more time into it definitely because I enjoy like I'm a creative person like I enjoy doing photography and stuff but especially I feel like you can only take so many photos of a cookie before it starts kind of just being the same thing so I need to be be more creative <laughs> I usually think about just actually having that human connection and just remembering that they're real people behind a screen and you kind of get an insight into their life and what they do I think people are kind of more interested in that than you know just and uh, I think there's that sense of discover it you know like if you find something yourself mm-hmm. online it's kind of like oh I found this vegan biscuit place. <laughs> yeah. rather than like if you read it in the paper you're like oh did you see that thing about the the thing and it's like yeah blends in with everything else yeah and people have I can't remember what it's called it's like advertising block so people mm. automatically block out when they feel like the people are trying to advertise stuff to them mm. so I think like you say if they see it on their feed or whatever and they kind of discover it themselves it's mm. a lot more interesting than if you kind of just block it out if it's like another thing that you're scrolling past on mm. Facebook and you've made the active choice then you know like you've made the choice to follow even though Instagram's been suggesting it to you for weeks going look at oh, this yeah. you re- you looked at this for a while look at it again look at it again <laughs> you know you yeah, want to follow so them <laughs> yeah so you I mean yeah like you say they have a choice in following but I suppose they don't <laughs> uh okay I think we've kind of covered social media there Unless there's anything else you want to kind of add on that, anything you want to say about it? Probably just that it is sort of like an interesting time because I think social media will change. I mean, with Instagram and everything, it's so much more difficult now to grow and to get seen and you have to work so much harder for followers and views and engagement and that kind of stuff. So I don't know where it's going. I don't know sort of the future of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. Instagram changes every day about whether they prioritize reels or photos or carousels and you're constantly having to adapt and learn new stuff and it's so easy to do well sort of on one type of account so Mm. for example like if you're a social media kind of guru and people are going to follow you straight away because they want to learn what you're teaching them about they want to grow their instagrams they want to do that so I feel like it's a lot easier to get followers if you're doing something like that I think it's quite difficult or if you're an influencer, that kind of stuff. Like I say, people want to know about people's lives and see what they're up to, what they're wearing, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So if to try and get people to follow a page to look at just photos of cookies, it's I feel like it's quite difficult. You really have to think about, okay, how can I make this interesting to people? How can I make them want to follow me? Because I'm just, they're just cookies. I mean, I don't follow any cookie pages on my personal Instagram account because mm. that's not what I want to look at. I want to look at people living in London and doing nice things like I'm not not bothered about some cookies and leads so I think it is going to get a lot more difficult a lot more competitive on Instagram and I don't know where it's going to go like if it's going to go to sort of more personal personal based platform obviously like TikTok blew up on that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. videos like you're constantly having to adapt and learn and sort of see what's see what's coming next so I'm not sure now social media really helps with sales but I don't know if it will in six months a year or a couple of years yeah it's kind of like an interesting interesting time (laughs) are you personal like have you put your face to your brand are you kind of like brand first and (laughs) I'll I'll try not to have too many photos of me thanks I know I try I try to but I'm not like a massive I'm not that confident in front of a camera like I don't like the sound of my own voice like it's just my worst nightmare like putting myself out onto the internet because you're so exposed as well like mm. 
if Facebook adverts and stuff, I see such awful comments under some of the adverts and I'm like, do I really want to subject myself to that? But that's what sells cookies at the end of the day. People like the videos where they can see you and get to know you. So yeah, I try, but I know that it's something that I probably need to do a lot more. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say from, from doing this, when I first started doing this, when I listened back to myself, it was it, it was awful for ages because of just that hours and hours and now like you you kind of depersonalize it after a while and you get used to it and you kind of it doesn't bother you as much but I do like now I just sort of like view myself as some disconnected idiot <laughs> who I'm just like who's this idiot that's speaking but I don't assume it like you know I don't put the criticism back on myself I like I, it's a third person <laughs> I feel like you have like a good radio voice I feel like you have a good a good voice. I'm quite happy to listen to you on my drive to work in the morning. I hoped, <laughs> I hoped to. But when I first started, I was like, God, my voice is really boring. Like I've done, I've been all over the place. My voice should be more interesting than this. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Other thing on social media. So have you done any of the like, you know, how we make this cookie or like the tour of the kitchen or any of those kind of? So I've started doing them like I say probably the past six weeks I've been sort of like come to a market with me or sort mm. of a day in life that kind of stuff to show a more of less of the cookies and more of actually what it's like running a business but I mean a couple of days ago Instagram announced that they're not prioritizing videos anymore and they're going back to photos so mm. it's and now I've probably got to change that again and think how I can incorporate that in photos instead of posting behind the scenes videos and but that kind of stuff seems to be what people are more interested in and how you make the cookies what it's like running a bakery at home and having mm. a bakery in your basement like what's what's it like because I suppose everybody knows like what a cookie is don't they but they don't know what it's like what goes into a cookie or a vegan cookie or a market and that kind of stuff that's more more interesting so yeah I need to need to do more of that kind of stuff mm. <laughs> also it means dragging Diego into video me all the time and Sometimes that can be quite a challenge. <laughs> Trying to get him to do it. Well, yeah, and plus you, you know, you, you, you're a business making cookies. You know, you didn't get into business to be a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like when you set up a business, you think it's like, oh, I'm just going to bake cookies and sell them, and that's it. <laughs> you're like social media manager. Like I'm accountant. I'm like a marketing yep. person. I'm HR. Like <laughs> I'm everything. <laughs> And you, your best and worst employee. Oh, God, yeah. I'm like star employee of the worst of the month, but I'm also like the worst one. Since we Brexited, which I think was beginning of the, two years ago now. Oh, yeah. This this decade is just the, the worst. It's the messiest ever. Like the past three years have just, I cannot tell you what happened from no. Brexit. Like it just it feels like a fever dream. <laughs> It's not got any better either, has it? No, I feel like <laughs> Joe Wicks and fighting over toilet roll and Joe Exotic. It just feels like it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, has has Brexit changed your work at all? And, you know, ha in what way has it changed it? Has it made it better, worse or no change? Uh, I feel like mm, as far as I know, probably the impact on us has been quite minimal because we are very just all of our operations are just in the UK. I mean, we don't have any contact with outside of the UK. Probably the biggest issue has been supply chains. Mm. Luckily, a lot of the ingredients, I know some of the sort of chocolate makers and stuff, they've had huge issues with 
import taxes and things like that and having to pay extortionate prices. But because we don't buy anything directly from overseas, we all go through UK suppliers, the impact on us has been quite minimal. I'm just guessing that the huge increases of price probably have something to do with that. Mm. So that's probably the biggest thing, just trying to keep prices down and Mm. huge amounts of supply issues, things going out of stock all the time, which probably impacts us a lot more than sort of like a a normal, like non-vegan business. Because like I say, we have to search so hard to find our ingredients and our supplies. We can only use like one type of butter or Mm. one brand of Nutella because that's the only one that is cost-effective for us to use and it's vegan and it doesn't have allergens in and that kind of stuff. So if that supply is disrupted, which the majority of our ingredients are at the moment, there is we can't just switch to another ingredient i mean most people would be like why don't you just find a different chocolate chip and it's like we can't like that's literally the only yeah, one i'll just pull use. it out of the air <laughs> yeah it's the it's the cheapest it's the only one that we can use like it's vegan we can't just switch to any other one because mm. there is no room in our margins for us to increase prices because we don't want to charge five pounds for a cookie we want to charge mm. the same if not cheaper than sort of ones that contain animal products like we don't want to charge a premium for it being vegan and sustainable mm. uh, that's probably the biggest impact it's had it's made it quite difficult in in terms of that and when we can't get ingredients we just have to stop like at christmas we had uh 10 cookie flavors we were offering and this week i only had four to offer to cafes because mm. i can't get any chocolate chips can't get nutella now can't get butter so it's that's caused a constant stress of trying to find vegan ingredients that are cost effective that have a stable supply at the moment which Mm. is just impossible basically Mm. which which makes it impossible for you to plan as well oh god yeah like this year i've tried to sort of plan things a month in advance get on top of the new flavors a month in advance develop them i plan out my weeks like we've literally moved everything around because last year from finishing uni until christmas i was literally working seven days a week like 24 7 there was mm. we did not I think we had about two days off mm. for Diego's birthday in June and that was it and by Christmas I was just so burnt out like I literally stopped and I just completely stopped I just sat on the sofa for five days and was like I can't even put a load of washing on like I'm just so mentally exhausted and drained because mm. um, you don't switch off it's just literally 24 mm. 7 and having all of these issues that you're faced with every single day it's not plain sailing it's not like you just can do what you enjoy and you bake and you sell and mm. constantly faced with issues so I tried to get on top of it for this year have moved everything around so I literally try and work Monday to Friday mm. and because of all these problems I'm still working seven days a week trying to contact suppliers and mm. research cheaper ingredients and sort all of this out so it's a huge huge strain sort of like on a personal level as well not just the business uh, Mm. Do you think? Do you think COVID? Do you think COVID kind of made that worse for you? In that, you know, you're starting a business in that, even though there's all the health and well-being stuff going on, like you're, you haven't got any work separation. Like, I I mean, even if you did, you probably would have been on your phone at home and still doing stuff. But like, (laughs) on the work-life balance kind of thing, and for your own health, like, yeah, how do you how do you manage that? Like. God, I didn't. I mean, I was doing uni as well full time. So doing university and setting up and running a business and everything. And the fact that you're stuck in the house 24 seven, like my kitchen table was where I ate, baked, 
did my work study everything lived all day every day (laughs) (laughs) literally and I think I don't really didn't kind of realize how much of an impact that had and I I finished uni I didn't have any time off I went straight into literally the next day went straight into carrying on the business full time and then we had markets booked every weekend throughout summer so we were literally working seven days a week Diego started working as well he was a physio so you kind of it's very very difficult it's probably one of the biggest things about running a business is being strict and actually knowing when to stop because you determine how much money you make and when the prices are insane and you're trying so desperately to make money and make a living Mm. it's so easy to just not switch off and just burn yourself out so quickly Mm. Uh, so probably yeah doing it during covid i suppose it was difficult because it was 24 7 but also it was it it sounds really bad but i I didn't have to worry so much about maintaining kind of like social relationships like i Mm. didn't have to go home i didn't have to go to the gym or or do any of that other stuff i could just sort of text my friends and that would be enough whereas now coming out of it i'm trying to like eat well see my friends exercise mm. run a business like work it's too much time. exactly i'm trying to get eight hours of sleep a night and it's just like <laughs> and have a weekend and it's just impossible <laughs> so i suppose yeah it kind of the whole covid thing had a double double effect on mm. life work work life balance <laughs> it's like a blessing and a curse i suppose at the same time but it's nice to have that and be in a bubble and have that kind of incubation period where I didn't have to worry so much about what was sort of normal life and going out and trying to have a balanced life it was all I had to worry about was uni and business and eating and sleeping and that was it (laughs) have you got like have you got an office space now do you because you've got the kitchen bakery space so that must have been like really good for just mentally arranging things in your head of like that's now the workplace yeah no it has made it a lot better the only problem is like no I kind of associate the basement with like bad 13 hour days and I don't want to go down there (laughs) (laughs) whereas before at least like my kitchen was still kind of like a nice place whereas now I'm like god I've got to go downstairs in the basement like but it has it has helped a lot so getting my house back as well and I can go upstairs and I can go like okay I finished I can switch off now and and relax whereas yeah like you say before it was there was no separation at all (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it has helped I think I've just one thing this year is I have had to be very strict with organizing my time and trying to get it into like a nine to five and say okay you're gonna sort of time block and do social media this days and accounts Mm -hmm. this days and admin and whatever Mm -hmm. so I'm I think I'm getting better but it's very difficult it takes a long time to kind of be very strict with yourself and mm. stick to those times when you're in your own house like it's so easy to be like oh I'll just I'll just have an apple <laughs> and we've got a puppy as well so like that's so <laughs> difficult to try and not just end up like taking the dog for a walk or playing with him so that's <laughs> very very strict <laughs> but that's 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 good as well I mean I think like because this kind of separation you know the the sort of eight hours work eight hours leisure Mm. eight hours sleep I mean that that's the thing that comes from the unions it's not like a natural Mm. process or anything yeah but then if you're doing longer days if those days are broken up 
with things like playing with the puppy or whatever. I mean, that's, I think so long as you have time away from work, you know, like having those breaks and having the spaces and like times when it's like, this isn't work time anymore. Like work's not interrupting. I think that that's when it becomes valuable time. You know, I just just properly step back. Which I think is probably the hardest thing about running your own business is that I don't switch off. Like my, my own phone is the business phone. Like I'm on the Instagram all the time, Mm. replying to messages and comments and engaging and posting and stuff like that. There is no, even in the evening, if I try and switch off, it's still always there and I've got stuff to sort out and I'm kind, I don't know whether it is actually possible to condense a business into a nine to five. I kind of think it's at this point, I don't think it is. I don't think I can ever kind of switch off my phone at five and say, I'm not going to reply to any inquiries or business like emails or wholesale or stuff. Cause that does harm your business as well. If I don't reply to any like yeah, but- or wholesale over the weekend, like, yeah, it's not good. It doesn't make me look good. If I'm not sort of, if they want to change their order or put an order in for Monday and I don't pick that up till Monday morning, like it's not, that means I lose money. So it's, um, but also like you should kind of discipline your customers as well to a degree of like, you know, I mean, surely (laughs) someone can't expect that like when they message you at 10 o'clock or midnight or whatever, that you're going to reply, especially on a weekend. It's like, that's unreasonable. (laughs) Oh, they do. The but then, but then, if you reply, then you're you're normalizing that, and yeah. <laughs> I think that's one thing with when you run a business, is people do expect you to be available twenty four seven, work weekends, and everything. Uh, even friends and family and stuff, they kind of don't understand that actually. I I just because I have a business does not mean that I can just take time off whenever I want, and I'm mm. free during the day, and I'm just sat at home. That's not how it works. Like I'm literally yesterday we were in the bakery baking for 13 hours and we had like half an hour off lunch and that was it Mm. and it's it's so difficult to try and maintain relationships and keep customers happy and wholesale and all of that kind of stuff and balance it while actually trying to guard your peace and be like I'm gonna shut off now Mm. um I I don't have a solution to that if anybody knows how to do it that would be great (laughs) because it's genuinely the hardest thing is trying to know when to not make yourself available um because there's no one there telling you telling you like okay you can shut off now or you have this day off or you have the weekend off I think Um, it's up to you to decide I mean it's it's like you know these are my business hours after this time I'm I'm not available kind of thing because people can still message you that's the beauty of social media but you know if you've got it up there you know it's available for people to see yeah so like it's that thing of it's that thing of putting a sign up, isn't it? It's it's kind yeah. of like if you've put a sign up, then you can say this is our policy or whatever and refer customers to the sign. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't probably... have the sign. <laughs> I suppose that's probably what's easier as well. <laughs> having like a brick and mortar business is that you do have opening hours and you mm. can say we are open nine till five and that is it. But when it's sort of online and your your customers are all online like all of our sales are online on the instagram on the website there is kind of no boundary it's mm. it's more difficult to kind of say okay like we are closed because people are online 24 hours of the day like mm. people do it expect you to reply within an hour and if you don't it's you lose lose business and you lose orders and um 
so yeah it's sort of the quicker you reply and the more good you are at keeping on top of admin and all of that it does affect your sales if I didn't reply for a week I the business probably wouldn't be doing as well as it is but then you're kind of lumbering yourself with that for the rest of the business's life like if you had a social media manager for example if you'd hired one then you wouldn't expect them to work 24 7 365 and you wouldn't want to pay them for that either (laughs) I think yeah that's one of the hard things when it's your your own is being strict with yourself and Mm. learning when to say no is very difficult (laughs) I'd always put an automated message on like insta or whatever with uh thanks for your message you'll be back between these hours I'll pick it up as soon as possible and come back to you yeah I've seen that actually a couple of businesses doing that might have to research and see how I can set one up (laughs) okay let's uh do our final happy topic let's talk climate change so obviously you did business in the environment you've got vegan cookies um, yeah you were delivering by bike initially yeah. are you still delivering by bike we're not we've changed so we what we did was we've opened up our delivery area from Hyde Park to Leeds when we were doing it by bicycle we were offering same day delivery so people mm-hmm. would go on during the day order before five and we would deliver the cookies that evening by bicycle so now we've changed it so now that people have to order in advance mm-hmm. which did decrease ourselves quite dramatically because people don't want to order cookies for three days time they kind of want to order them and eat them now yeah but we did that so that we are only doing like two delivery runs a week and we can sort of go out and do like one big delivery run which is obviously a lot more sustainable than having to go out 10 times a day five times a week like mm. so that was that's a big thing was tr- actually making the decision to probably decrease our orders so that we could do it in a more sustainable way mm. uh, which I don't know we're probably like recovering now but we did see like a massive massive drop from when we stopped offering same day deliveries mm. uh, which is a, a huge I mean I'm probably we'll get into it but it's a huge thing and running a business is that trade-off between mm. sales and being sustainable and being profitable and it's a constant like battle between the two mm. yeah yeah I'm sure uh, so yeah I mean like it's obviously built into your thinking and your approach in terms of of the climate change stuff I mean was and and to do to a degree I'm guessing it you know it was literally built into the business from the beginning as well so it's something that you are thinking about like what what else can you do on the kind of you know mitigation adaptation awareness raising all of those kind of things Um, I mean do you kind of do you promote that within your own social media of like these are kind of low impact cookies and yeah we do I mean we probably need to promote it more so it's difficult because people don't they don't like seeing negative things all the time if I like whenever I try and educate I find it really difficult because people don't want to see about how bad our actions are for the planet about why we're vegan because the horrible treatment of animals and the dairy industry and all of that Mm. people don't like seeing that they kind of just want to push it under the rug and kind of pretend it's not there Mm. so it's it's very difficult to try and promote that side of the business and trying to do it in a positive way so that people will read it and they will be take something from it Mm. because it's just it's a fact that people don't like seeing negative stuff on the timelines all the time 
Um, so that's something I want to try and tackle this year is how can I educate and promote that side of the business more mm. while still growing and not losing followers and trying to gain orders from that and gain customers. Because if you post, like I say, if you post things about veganism, it's unfortunate at the moment, it's the majority is turned off the people and they don't, they go like, oh, I don't want to see that. Um, so that's a difficult, difficult line sort of balance that I'm trying to find. Mm. But I mean, everything that we do is is sustainable. Like our packaging is recycled, like not recyclable because recyclable isn't enough anymore. Like mm. you reduce your consumption in the first place. So we we don't have like nice printed boxes because we don't want to sort of increase our consumption and we want to keep everything recycled, recyclable. Mm. I mean, the ovens are run on renewable electricity. So the cookies are baked with renewable energy, which is quite mm. cool. The way that we deliver. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we do, I don't, it's probably why I'm bad at talking about it as well, because there's a lot of the stuff that we do is kind of just second nature to me. Like I can't imagine mm doing it any other way like the bags that we use for the cookies are compostable because I can't ever imagine using single-use plastics for our cookies like it just wouldn't mm. cross my mind I think because I've studied environment and sustainability and have been lucky enough to be brought up in a family that is very conscious of the environment and ethics and things like that like I say I just it's second nature to me I don't think about it and also being brought up close, like literally with your dirt, your, your hands in the dirt kind of thing. Like, you know, the <laughs> amount of people who, but, you, you know, the amount of people who are born in Leeds who've, you know, they've never even seen a cow or a sheep. When when it's so easy here, it's not like London. Like, I mean, you laugh, but it's true. It's like literally. No, it's just such a good it's such a good phrase like hands in the dirt because I was in I was like I was a kid in Lincolnshire like my hand were literally in the dirt yeah playing and with stuff. <laughs> yeah and it's really good for your mental health isn't it just to like literally physically putting your hands yeah. in the dirt and that connection to the earth is like yeah. it's really good for you I've probably never thought of that that growing up sort of in a farming county and growing up with animals is that I probably naturally saw them more as animals and was more exposed to sort of like mm. food supply chains and that kind of side of things I suppose if you were never really around cows or sheep or like we had pigs like I I knew that pigs had characteristics and they'd mm. be happy to see us every morning and I'd mm. get in a pen and play with them like mm. I saw them more as sort of like dogs than something I'd want to put on my plate so mm. I suppose that kind of broke down that that wall that I saw kind of where my food came from which yeah, probably had a lot to do with that's a really good point that you raised there of like <laughs> so I I can imagine you can imagine one of these people who's like oh vegans blah 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 hate vegans oh, it's okay. like if you said to them right eat your dog they would just oh, yeah. lose their mind <laughs> like yeah. how dare you? it's member of the family is this that and the other yeah just an animal just a piece of meat yeah <laughs> it's no it's so true because like I say the pigs that we had when they were piglets they were so cute like they were called Lincolnshire curly coats. So they were literally like, mm. I feel like they had curly coats. They were so cute. And we would, we were in the pen with them. We would be playing, like they would love playing with balls and stuff. Mm. Like they would love doing enrichment and like mud baths and things like that. Mm. They would know us. They knew their names. Like they would come to you. Mm. I mean, my mom literally has like a, we've always had chickens. She has a cockerel that is literally like best friend with her dog. Like <laughs> it's so <laughs> cute. Like they literally play together. So I sort of, I see animals as a lot more, kind of on the same level as like a dog they have mm. 
feelings Sen- sentient beings yeah yeah exactly and i suppose if you don't grow up around that you don't but that's even the thing people say that they do love animals and then they still eat them and then that's when i'm like well how how does that work like <laughs> so it's, it's a difficult thing being a vegan business actually it's a huge we get a lot of sort of stick for it a lot of people have that mm mindset that vegans are like these crazy people that shout about animal rights and Mm. people that glue themselves to the roads and stuff and it's I mean I think because I've grown up with a mum that's taught me about that and exposed me to that I'm sort of I just wish people would sort of educate themselves a bit more like I remember in Sydney there was a group of activists and they were stood on the busiest street in the city centre and all they did they were stood there with tv screens showing videos of what happened Mm. what happens in abattoirs Mm. and people were like spitting on them saying horrendous stuff to them and it's like why are you so angry like they're not even there's no message they're not saying anything they're not telling you to not eat meat they're literally not saying anything they are just showing you what happens and people have like such abject reactions to it and it's just because they feel guilty we know we should be doing more and it's that kind of like you're judging me it's like I'm not judging you you're judging me (laughs) (laughs) this is what I never understand like people that eat like a plant-based diet or whatever I mean I do it for animal reasons but I also also massively do it for environmental reasons since Diego's met me he's now vegetarian because of environmental reasons like we both I, I like the taste of meat. I used to love having bacon or whatever, but I choose not to. Mm. And I have replacements because I don't want to, I want to decrease the impact that I'm having on mm. animal welfare and the environment. Mm. Uh, so it always blows my mind that people that choose to have a plant-based diet and are literally doing something good for the environment and good for animals mm. still get villainized and made out to be the bad people. And mm. I just, I don't understand where this whole prejudice against plant-based diets come from and I think it is changing which Mm. is it's getting better which is good but yeah the amount of people that come up to us at markets and go like oh no I like to have meat in my cookies and yeah. Like, oh, well, I know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, a steak fine. cookie. <laughs> exactly. It's like that's fine. Like you do you. Well, I tell you what, we've got a bag of blood here as an option. Oh, okay. You can pour blood all over your cookie. Would that make it better for you? <laughs> oh, it just it literally just doesn't make any sense, does it? Like baffles me. <laughs> okay. Do we want to do any more on climate change? I mean, you, you you're being sustainable. I mean, there's. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the tension between kind of the the need. I I assume you're a limited company. We're not. I'm just a you're sole trader. Yeah, it's just so, me. <laughs> but there's there's always the tension between the need to grow grow profits and grow the business. Yeah. Um, and there's also the need as well because there's that kind of. It doesn't ever really feel like you can get to a steady state, I don't think. I think mm-hmm. that it's like, I, I need to keep growing it. Like, yeah, so I just want you to talk a little bit about the tension between the, the need for your business to grow and the need within yourself of like, I don't want to grow the business <laughs> too big, I suppose. Like that yeah. tension between being an environmentalist and being a business yeah. person. Yeah, there is a huge, a huge trade-off in everything that we do. But like you say, between okay, we need to grow, we need to be profitable and make things cost-effective mm. and also try and be extremely sustainable and limit our impact. Mm. And I think there's a, a sustainable act by a brand called Tala, and I think they summed it up really well. And they, she said the 
owner of it said that we're not perfect in sustainability. We are a sustainable, sustainable company, mm-hmm. but we have to be open and honest and say that sometimes we can't make all of the sustainable decisions that we want to because mm-hmm. we would close. Like it's what's better between being open and people choosing us and having that sustainable option there mm-hmm. or trying to be ultra sustainable and not being open at all. So there are things that we obviously could do better. One mm. thing is that I want to source our ingredients more sustainably, mm. use kind of like plastic-free packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our ingredients are organic, but more could be. So that's a huge area that I know that we could improve. But at the moment, with the cost of things and the amount of ingredients we need, like it's that's that would mean that we won't be able to stay open, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a give and take of where your priorities are and kind of trying to balance these sustainable decisions with Mm. increasing profits and trying to stay open Mm. and I know that we probably we could be making more money like this is a sad thing with trying to run a sustainable business is that ultimately you do have to sacrifice profits Mm. unless you want to charge five six pounds for a cookie that Mm. unfortunately nobody's going to buy yeah we are probably making less profits than we would be if we just used eggs in our cookies and sort of like plastic packaging and all of that kind of stuff and didn't pay the premium that we have to pay for recycled packaging and for Mm. renewable energy and all of that so I can understand why a lot of businesses don't have that sustainability Mm. element but I think ultimately they need to like I'm quite I was quite sort of shocked when I opened the business that I don't know many other or hardly any other bakeries or vegan bakeries that are environmentally conscious mm. or actually have like a proper understanding of it because mm. a lot of people there's a huge amount of greenwashing like people say mm-hmm. we use recyclable packaging it's like well that's not helpful mm. <laughs> you need to be doing more like mm. the, the bottom line is that every business uh, small businesses obviously as well as huge conglomerates need to be more sustainable I think that just has to be the baseline I don't mm. think because I mean, small businesses don't have a huge impact individually. Mm. But when you look at how many small businesses there are in the UK, imagine if all of them used recycled packaging mm-hmm. and took that couple of pence pay cut, or like profit, reduce their profits by a couple of pence mm. to use recycled packaging or to use renewable energy, it would have a huge impact. So I think that needs to be the way forward. But if you haven't grown up in that kind of environment or you haven't studied sustainability there's not many resources or sort of ways to get information that people would know how to run a sustainable business or how Mm. to make their business more sustainable Mm. I think there need to be sort of like open resources and workshops and things where people can sort of if they look at their business and go okay how can I make it more sustainable while still being profitable because there's no there's no help for that unless yeah. like I say, unless you've done a degree in it or unless you come from a family that is environmentally conscious mm. you, it would just not be on your radar like you wouldn't think to do it yeah um, and there's no government loans or funding or like you know train yourself up in this but you know like the other areas of the economy where they'll be like yeah, yeah. do this or we'll promote this literally none I mean like at uni and from the government and stuff like there is not much support for businesses at all like I tried to get 
like the Prince's Trust loans and stuff, but because I was a student, I couldn't get it. So you are completely on your own, especially at the moment. That's one thing that bugs me is during lockdown, it was kind of everyone's setting up businesses. This is amazing, like support small businesses. And now it's you're on your own and there's no support at all and no help or there's a couple of sort of independent places like the business center and lease that do free resources and they're invaluable but yeah. in terms of sustainability like there's as far as I know there's not not much help out there <laughs> yeah. I mean but, the other thing so I, I assume you're familiar with externalities yeah yeah so I mean the, the other thing with that is that it's, it's like when a business is reducing their cost to increase their profits and to offer you occasionally their thing at a lower price yeah they're they're pushing those costs onto everybody like everybody in the world (laughs) (laughs) it's like our customers are getting a better deal well no they're getting a terrible deal plus a cheaper thing but everyone's kind of worse off and it's that sort of it's that thinking like we're all discrete units and like our effect, yeah. uh, like what we do doesn't affect other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can see that with like the supply issues at the moment and the cost of things. You can mm. uh, probably wouldn't realize it if I didn't run a business is that you can literally see mm. where the costs are increasing and who's taking on those costs. And you can mm. see the people that we buy the ingredients are for from they're increasing their cost from the suppliers and the suppliers are increasing their cost because of this and it just all gets passed down mm-hmm. um, and if we start changing our ingredients or changing our prices and other businesses do it as well it, it like you say it's all connected like it can have huge impacts on, mm. on the market yeah it's very interesting <laughs> but it works the other way as well you know like the more you kind of squash those costs down so if you for example if you put more slavery in your supply chain and then increase that and increase that. I mean, you know, then the knock-on effects is, you know, is ultimately yeah. negative. It's like, it's okay for your business in the short term, but you know, over the long, long term, then, yeah. you know, the, you've got a much smaller market, working conditions are terrible, like pays lower. Yeah. So you end up selling less anyway, because. You yeah. Know, or you can look at if it goes the other way, sort of like, fast fashion giants like she and that is their their business model and their business model is exploiting people and <laughs> the environment mm. and that obviously works for them so it's it's such a difficult decision and there's so much ethics involved in running a business like I always think that if I wanted to do drop shipping on Amazon or something I would probably be making three times as much money mm. but I'm producing my own product and trying to make it sustainable and it kind of adds all these layers, uh, which I think if anything is going to change with climate change and how businesses are run, mm. there probably needs to be change from the top down and there needs to be support because people aren't going to do it off their own backs if they're not aware yeah. of it or educated about it. So, And all markets all markets are regulated and, and yeah. need to be to a degree because, you know, like the customer needs to have faith that they can buy the product that they think they're buying and that they can, you know, have redress if they feel ripped off or whatever. So that's always necessary. And markets do need regulators, which is why you need governments. And also you can't have markets without a government in the first place. So exactly. (laughs) There's um, a lot that they could, could be doing. 
well that, that, it has to come from you know like literally the public are putting themselves you know anyone who's bothered about this is is you know they're they're putting the money where their mouth is now i think yeah putting putting their their words into action and until we get government support this, this is we're just oh, yeah. sort of at a, at a glass ceiling of this is as much as we can do kind of thing yeah because you're kind of just relying on that's why we're i'm so hot on probably not advertising the vegan sustainability side so much mm. and i want people to buy because we are high quality and reasonably priced mm. because at the moment you need people to be making these sustainable choices but yeah. especially at the moment people aren't going to make that decision out of the goodness of the heart they need mm. to make decisions where they can that they can afford like if you have the choice between shopping at a cheap supermarket or and buying cookies from there or buying handmade sustainable vegan cookies a lot of people don't have the luxury of making sustainable decisions mm. um it's probably a small proportion of the country that do have that luxury and that extra money to spend so there has to sort of be like another influencing factor to encourage people to make the sustainable decisions i think just asking them to do it out of ethics is not enough for the vast majority of the country then it needs to be the cheaper option it needs to yeah. be there needs to be incentives and things like that. Yeah, moral arguments don't work. No one cares about morals, <laughs> like because they're so they they don't they they because they're so subjective and so personal. Yeah. And it's like you know you you see it over and over again in the press of like you'll have these moral calls of this that and the other. It's like it's just not going to work. It's like what what affects people's actual lives and their day to day. What makes things more comfortable or or yeah. less comfortable for them. It's not yeah. it's not about, you know, and, and it's very easy to, you know, get a bunch of campaign stickers and badge yourself up with like, I believe in all these things. But it's like, you know, if you still drive to work to, you know, in a huge SUV yeah. or whatever, it's, it's like it doesn't doesn't matter. It's very yeah. easy to say you're into things, isn't it? But it's, it's a difficult thing to kind of live that way. And the, the environment needs to support you in living that way. Yeah, 100 percent. There's so many different actors at play and even if you do actually have those morals if whether you have the resources to buy the premium for sustainable items and organic items and that kind of stuff is a different argument altogether a lot of mm. people don't have the means to do that a lot of mm. people have the intention but not the means people mm. advertise and say they have the intention but they don't actually do it like there's a mm. huge thing about ethical bias that people overstate how ethical they are if, in any research mm. even if you mention the word like ethical consumerism they will overstate how ethical they are and go well yeah like I want to buy organic but mm. so do you do you actually on a day-to-day -day? Mm. so it's a massive if any research on this is it's such a difficult topic because none of it is kind of accurate because mm. there's a whole bias included with sustainability and ethical consumerism and mm. whether people have the means and so that's why we focus we don't focus probably on the sustainability that much because like I say, it's unfortunately, sadly, it's not usually enough mm. to sort of elicit a decision for people to buy a product. It has to come from value, quality, or trust are kind of the main mm. three reasons that people will choose a product over another one. Unfortunately, sustainability and veganism are somewhere down at the bottom for a lot of people. Mm. Mm. Um, I just want to ask you, just out of interest, so you know the record-breaking heat day last year? yeah where were you were you in the bakery or were you like were you... oh my god <laughs> we, did, 
we didn't have the bakery at that point. So I was upstairs in the kitchen and we at the yeah. side of the street we were on, we get the sun all day. And it was, I can't remember what the temperature was. It was over 30. It got, it got up to 39. Yeah, I, yeah. I recorded 39 in here. I, I was like watching it go up and I was just like, I can't believe this. This is just incredible. I, it's, it's also a nightmare though, because we had markets and things last year. Mm. And we would always get positioned in the spot that was right in the sun all day. Mm. And the cookies would just, obviously got chocolate in and covered in mm. chocolate. It would just melt and <laughs> a mess, complete mess. <laughs> so like winter's like actually kind of a bit of a blessing because at least there's no melted chocolate <laughs> so i think i don't know what we're gonna do this summer i mean i mean that, that that's a real that's a real tangible impact on your business on your ability to make oh, money yeah, and and pay tax like <laughs> you know like from a government perspective it's like i literally can't do my business because we're in a situation where everything's melting into much i can't sell this can i like, yeah even like whether we try and we had to close postal orders for like mm. a couple of times last year because we looked at the weather and it was just too hot to mm. send cookies in the post. They would just get hot and yeah. humid, melty and horrible when we can't be sending stuff like that. So yeah, even the weather can impact your sales. It's crazy. Mm. Um, it's probably going to be the same this year as well, unfortunately. So we need to. Let's let's not even go there. On oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like Oh my God, I'm just, oh, I'm very worried. Okay, so let's get these last two questions into this last 10 minutes. We can do this. So yeah. if you could change any three things about your job right now, what would they be? Probably be nice to make it more easy to be sustainable, not have to think about those trade-offs between profit and environmentalism. Mm -hmm. Like we said, more of a work-life balance for it to be more socially acceptable for business owners to kind of just shut the doors and close off shut off their social media when they want to and if I could change anything it would just be that it would be a bit easier in general with the cost of ingredients and mm. things like that just for everything to run a bit more smoothly would be nice not to have constant every day it's a different supply issue a different price issue different well, something hasn't arrived or something's not working or mm. it would just be nice to actually focus on kind of what's important in the business and customers and baking creating good quality vegan cookies mm. and not have to worry about all of this extra stuff and actually just focus on what I enjoy doing because a lot of the time is not spent doing that unfortunately mm. so if I could change anything those would probably be be the three things <laughs> I think that's the fastest response I've ever had to that question oh I think about it every day <laughs> <laughs> so um okay then the UBI question so if there was a universal basic income if you had had enough money to live during doing your studies, yeah, would you, would you even have this business? Would you be planning on a business? Like, would you work or would you have just gone on to further study? Like, how would a UBI change things for you? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you can look at it, but I suppose you can consider it now rather than in advance. But, you know, I think it's interesting to look at kind yeah. of both options. I think I'd probably would like to study more. I'd be interested in doing like a master's or something I probably haven't done that because I felt like I needed to go into full-time work mm. I suppose you could compare it to when I was at uni I had a student loan and you could say that that was kind of like a UBI that was enough to keep me ticking over I wouldn't say that at all it's a loan like, well. I, know, I know you <laughs> don't necessarily but you do you have to pay it back you know like they I mean, will chase not, you 
it was that was kind of enough money for me to live off in that kind yeah. of same respect yeah. and I still set up the business on top of that whether that was because like I, we said I wanted something to fulfill my time to feel mm. like I was growing something putting my time into something doing something kind of useful mm-hmm. I think I'm somebody that needs that ambition and to be working towards something mm-hmm. so I think if I personally had UBI I would always want to kind of get more out of life like I said at the right at the beginning I've always kind of tried to make the best out of the situation mm. so it would be a good tool I think for a lot of people to give them the time and resources that they need to do things like set up a business or to kind of just have that assurance to actually be able to do what they want I don't know how that would affect wider society and that kind of stuff but mm. yeah I think a lot of people would still choose to work I think probably just the work-life balance would be a lot more balanced because <laughs> mm. like I said one thing getting to this age at 23 and running a business and that kind of stuff I'm every day I'm faced with a decision of do I close the business get a nine to five and be earning comfortable money or do I be making a lot less money but I get to do something I enjoy uh, every day I'm working towards something I get to have a dog and be at home and I can be around him and spend time with him I spend time with Diego and it's like what I've never really been faced with that question of actually what do you value more kind of like money or or time and freedom and the time to go out and go to the gym or go for a walk or so I think it poses a very interesting question as to how people would choose to spend that extra time if they did have UBI and people would probably be a lot more creative and be a lot happier and have more time to do hobbies and nurture things in their lives that isn't just eight hours of work five days a week and you get two days off to do chores and mm. catch up with a friend and that's kind of it yeah I think it poses a very interesting question I think it would probably improve a huge amount of people's quality of life mm. Mm. yeah I don't know how it would impact people do you have anything else to add before I move on to passing it over to you just anything um, on the on UBI or anything no I don't think so I think it's something that I'd probably need to research more actually and probably have a, a deeper look into and see how it would impact people in society but I think I don't think much bad could come from it if a four-day week came in like yeah. if a four-day week came in obviously like I get the impression that you would obviously support it but yeah. it wouldn't do you any good <laughs> Like, would it make you if a four-day week came in would it make you think like I've got to have at least one day off a week yeah probably it would give more people people would have more time to buy cookies they'd have no but day. no but that's not why I asked would you would you make yourself take time off I I think I'm a bit guilty and I probably wouldn't give myself that extra no day. I don't think you would either that could be my, it's a bit late but that could be my new year's resolution <laughs> this year I mean uh, you know as long as you can do it and you enjoy it and it's not you know it's not too stressful it's not a problem is it it's when it becomes a problem that's when you yeah ideally you address it before it becomes a problem (laughs) yeah definitely it's um I I mean I'm definitely not alone in feeling like that at the moment so I think a lot of businesses are feeling the same (laughs) so uh, I'm going to throw it over to you um so first off Give us all your socials. Where can people find you and your cookies? Okay. Our Instagram is at Chunk Cookies UK mm-hmm. uh, and same on Facebook. 
And we have a website which is linked in our Instagram bio, but our website is www.chunkcookiesuk.co.uk. Mm-hmm. And do you want to like, have you got any special cookies on at the moment? Anything that people should check out? I mean, it's probably a bit late, but we do have a big fancy Valentine's collection, mm-hmm. um, which is very nice. And we'll be releasing that on Friday. So that's top secret. And we have now, like I said, we've got monthly specials. So we're going to have new flavors coming out every month. We are upping the dog side of the bakery. So we're going to mm-hmm. offering more like dog treats and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, we just do lots of pop-ups and markets throughout summer as well. So we'll be posting those on the Instagram about where we are and where you can come and buy cookies because it's probably a bit easier for people in needs if they are in needs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and anything that you want to say, anything that you want to add, any sort of buy vegan or <laughs> be more sustainable, anything you want to promote? I'm so bad at this kind of stuff. You don't have to. I'm. It's just, you know, if you want to. I think it would just be nice. I always say to people like that are sort of go to the cookies and go like, oh, they're vegan to just try them mm. because I guarantee if you ate them, you would not know they're vegan and you are literally making like they're cheaper than a lot of alternatives, believe it or not. And by choosing those cookies, you are making like a better impact on the world. So to me, it's kind of like a no brainer to buy chunk. <laughs> Yeah. And, it, you know, if you can't be vegan anywhere else, be vegan in cakes and cookies and, you yeah. know, because it helps. They taste the same. Why not? Exactly. Yeah. yeah and, and literally they do taste the same. <laughs> we always say eat cookies, save the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a quick one before I wrap it up. What On the health front, do you ever think about the kind of sugary, sugary snacks and stuff? Like, do you, What's your kind of perspective on that? I know it's an awkward one to throw in in the last two minutes, but <laughs> I was just, we don't have to necessarily use this bit, but I was just intrigued. Kind of about what, like the health? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm, you know, in an, obes- an obesity crisis, like selling sort of sweets and confectionaries and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I the good thing about the cookies is that I, very proud that we always make fillings and toppings and everything is made by us yeah like, and you're not uh, putting artificial flavors and no there's probably blessing and a curse of being vegan is that you can't just buy a big tub of filling from mm. a wholesaler you have to make everything yourself mm. so i know exactly what goes into cookies and i feel very comfortable eating them i know that they are literally like what you would bake at home there's no mm. preservatives or chemicals or sugar loads of sugar it's not like that they are very simple in what they're made of mm. um and I also think it's just about moderation as long as you're not eating like a box of cookies a day I think you need a treat I get a lot of comments of people saying like oh these aren't going to be good for my diet or oh, they're then they taste good but they're bad for my waistline and it's like you shouldn't see them as something guilty you should see them as like a positive treat that you can mm. have Wednesday afternoon if you've had a bad day at work you have a cup of tea and a cookie and that's mm that's how we try to sell them and like I say they are good ingredients they're not full of stuff nasty stuff but yeah I think they should be enjoyed without guilt and in moderation Mm. and plus it's not the cookie that's making you put the weight on it's the sitting at your office desk sitting (laughs) in your car driving in your car like sitting everywhere that's the problem yeah it's about (laughs) balance isn't it exercising and having a treat I think it's yeah you need a mix of everything. 
Thank you again to Amy for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests. And thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And of course, thank you to you, my dear listener. Remember to like, share, follow and subscribe to Working Hours. Work for peace and plan with kindness. Okay, that's me. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other, Leeds. Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Follow Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore leads and on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios. Western Studios Leeds will help you realise your podcast for only £25 for an hour of podcast work. Need podcast production, recording, editing or any podcast admin doing? Need it all doing? Do you want or need a podcast host or co-host for your podcast project? Then get in touch with Western Studios Leeds Limited. Email makemike at western-studios.com to get your podcast made. I am available to third sector organisations, small to medium sized businesses and individuals who want to make podcasts or create other digital audio content. Want to make some fundraising case studies? Want to show off your expertise in your field? Want some help creating your show and format or just some support learning to podcast and getting... Whatever your podcast needs, get in touch with Western Studios Leads. Go to western-studios.com and use the contact page to drop me a message about either working hours or about your own podcast project.